Good evening and welcome to episode 162 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. We've got a fantastic show tonight covering the late pick five on Saturday at Saratoga like a glove with the Vanderbilt Stakes and Jackie's Warrior and then the Jim Dandy Stakes with Epicenter Early Voting and Zandon. What an unbelievable day of racing we're going to have this Saturday. Please make sure you subscribe right there on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Also hit that notification bell so that you know new content and new shows will arise. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter there on the bottom of the screen at H Kravitz. Also smash that thumbs up button at the bottom of the screen. We'd really appreciate that. And also on the scroll on the bottom, you can see my email. Just past there, it'll show up again. If you want to contact me, any questions about the show, comments, whatever you have, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. A few quick items here. Uh, you can follow us, of course, on audio, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. If you cannot catch the uh, live show on video or you just want to listen to it, you can, of course, listen to it on those uh, platforms. Also, the podcast, the podcast pool is back this August. If you have no idea what the podcast pool is, we basically uh, bring our money together. We create a syndicate and we bet horizontal and vertical bets. If you're interested at all in the podcast pool for the HHH Racing Podcast starting again in August, please send me an email, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. If you're already on my email list, I'll be sending out information about the podcast pool uh, for August. You will automatically get it if you are on our email list. Highly recommend you check that out. We have a lot of fun. We've had some nice scores before. Hopefully, we're going to be doing it again. Um, I think that takes care of all the administrative items. I want to get right to our co-hosts and our wonderful guests that we have tonight. So let's first bring in our uh, co-hosts from Maryland. We've got Pete Visco and, of course, from the Saratoga Special, Paul Halloran. Guys, got a little rain in Saratoga today. Oh, what a <laughs> it looked like a, a typically crazy Saratoga weather day. Sun. Little rain, back to sun, a lot of rain, back to sun. <laughs> Absolutely. It was um, the first day where they really got some real heavy rain. I've, I saw the forecast, and Paul, I'm sure you're going to be excited. Hopefully, it will repeat this next week, because for those of you who don't know, Paul will be in Saratoga Springs uh, next week covering many things, including, of course, the fantastic Whitney uh, Stakes with Life is Good and Olympiad and What American Revolution, Hot Rod Charlie. Holy cow, is that going to be a race? Uh, Pete, I don't know, did you check out uh, Saratoga today at all? No, I didn't get a chance today. My, you know, my my day job got in the way, unfortunately, today. But those damn I, day my, jobs. Yeah, I know. Every once in a while, they interrupt the real the real good stuff. Absolutely. I got. By the way, I got I got the Saratoga Springs uh, hat going with the uh, quarter pole and the horse there. So uh, I got a bunch of. I overspent Paul, of course, in Saratoga Springs. No surprise for a first timer. But uh, anyway, guys, we could chat for a long time. But I want to bring in our our special guest. I'm really excited to have him uh, on the show tonight. So let me introduce our special guest first. Uh, we're going to be bringing in Seth Merrow. Seth is the founder and publisher of the popular horse racing news website, Equidaily.com. Additionally, Seth is a longtime host and handicapper on Capital OTB with the Racing Across America show, 
which yours truly was uh, invited to be on and had a great time. He's also a regular guest on Sirius XM's At the Races with Steve Vick. He has participated in Triple Crown and Breeders' Cup Handicapping Seminars for Capital OTB and the National Museum of Racing. And finally, he is or was a contributor to ESPN.com's Kentucky Derby Top 10 poll. He is my new friend. I was had the honor to be on his show, and now he's to be on our show from, I'm assuming, Saratoga Springs. Seth Merrow. Seth, how you doing tonight? Fairly close. I'm actually in Boston Spa, but close enough. I was in Saratoga 45 minutes ago, and yes, it was a wacky weather day here in Saratoga, <laughs> but not unusual. And Howard, I will ask you, is this your first time back on the podcast since you've returned home? Uh, no, actually, we had a podcast last night uh, covering Del Mar Saturday, which is a great Okay, show. I missed that. Then maybe you filled in, but I was going to put on my interviewer's hat and, and have you talk about the uh, the Migliori Backstretch Tour because uh, Kim Weir and, and Richard Migliori zip the cart by our TV set usually. Uh-huh. And if we're standing outside, sometimes we'll stop by. I know everybody has a great time, and I know you took the tour the other day. Oh, it was amazing. I actually talked about it last night, Seth. It was just the whole set. I talked about the Saratoga trip in general, including my appearance with you. And by the way, I just publicly want uh, once again want to thank you for inviting me on your show. We had a great time, about 20 minutes. We chopped up the late pick four. Uh, a few opinions, not great, but did have fancy feline. Yeah. If you recall, I talked about that horse at 11 to 1 in the last race to key underneath. You should plug it in underneath. She finished third and let let her inspire you. The big favorite went on top, but there was a bomb in second. And the dollar try, I think Seth paid five forty. So hopefully some of your viewers maybe catch with uh, fancy feline underneath. It's not always who you have on top. You yeah. gotta fill out those other spots as well, right, Seth? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll say hi to Pete and Paul as well. And uh, Pete, you know, I, I was driving home today <laughs> and I was thinking, uh, man, it was hot. It's been hot all week. And as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, boo-hoo, I'm at the track all day, and it was hot. And I was thinking of people like Pete, who maybe are, are at their regular job all day long. I'm at the track, and I'm, I'm complaining about the heat because uh, it was it has been a little steamy over the past few days, but nothing like being at the track regardless of the weather. So for the folks who, who are watching this afternoon that uh, had to be in an insurance office all day or a dental hygienist, uh, I, I can't complain too much about being at Saratoga, regardless of the heat and humidity. Hey, at least I was at least I was in my basement, so I, I could work from home. So I was in my basement with the AC on because the heat down here is unbelievable as well today. It was like it was walking out into a fog yeah. of heat. So yeah, so I don't, I'm not going to cry too much, but you know it does get in the way of racing every once in a while. Yeah, I hear you, guys. Real quick, Seth, I know you got that booming broadcaster voice. A few people said your voice is a little bit loud. I don't know if you have the ability to turn your sound off a little bit or we can or, do or people or people can just deal with it that that's why I, 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 yeah, I don't know if i do but i'll just i'll i'll All bring right, it down it, a notch it, it, yeah yeah i i i think you're fine but a few people just comment in the chat by the way seth uh you know how the show runs a little bit because you've uh watched it there will be comments at the bottom and questions so make sure you look at the bottom of the screen uh once in a while seth before we get started into our 10 minutes of post segment that we're in a handicap Tell everyone how you found about the show because it made me so proud to know someone of uh, of your stature who's who's in the broadcasting business for a long time, very well known. Just happened to stumble upon this little HHH racing podcast we have here. Outside Saratoga, uh, my game plan with Capital OTB TV: we do the morning show that you were on, we do a morning handicapping show, 
uh, and that's every racing day, Wednesday through Sunday. Sunday, I co-host with Steve Bick from Sirius and XM's At The Races. Uh, other days, I'm solo. The rest of the year, we're in a little studio down in Albany, and I handicap during the afternoon. And I, We'll put on whatever the three major tracks are that day. We'll have New York, Churchill, Gulfstream, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll kind of plug in during the afternoon to say, hey, in this next race at Churchill, I like this and this and this. Take a look at the odds here. Pick four coming up at Belmont, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm handicapping three tracks uh, during the afternoon show. I typically sit down and do the handicapping the night before, and I sit right here at my desk with the computer open, and a lot of uh, nights I have something on YouTube floating around in the background. Some nights I'm watching uh, the match game with Gene Rayburn from 30 years ago. <laughs> but one night the front page came up and there was a live stream of the uh, HHH Racing Podcast. I clicked on it, and I think it was the, the show you had Billy Katcha, which was really a lot of fun. And I thought, hey, this is a pretty good show. And subsequently on other nights, your yours would pop up when I pulled up the front page and I'd watch. And I don't know, it was the third or fourth time I watched. I sent you an email and said, hey, Great job. It was very entertaining and kept me entertained and informed. So I just gave you a thumbs up and uh, I've been watching ever since. Well, we, we, Seth, we greatly appreciate it. And for those people, before we get other questions, for those people that are not too familiar with you, Seth, and, and don't live in the New York area, how can they check out Racing Across America and your show? In our area, it's on the Spectrum Cable Channel 1250. Um, we're also on Roku, have been on Roku since the beginning of last year. We're on one of the Roberts channels, Roberts Communication, RTN, Capital OTV is a sub-channel there. The morning shows you can pick up uh, via YouTube. There's uh, or, or our Capital OTV Facebook channel. Typically, they're also streamed on the Capital OTV Twitter channel. But if you go to YouTube and, and uh, pick up the Capital OTV uh, channel on YouTube, we stream the morning shows. And again, we're live from Saratoga every racing morning. We have that set on the backstretch. Yeah. I always say the biggest names in horse racing are a golf cart ride away. And over the 40 days of the meet, we have plugged in many of them and we'll continue to in, in the, the days ahead. But over the past few years, you know, guys like Jonathan Shepard and Alan Jerkins, Todd Pletcher, Chad Brown, Johnny Velasquez, all the biggest names come over at some point, sit in with us. And then we also spread the, the news a little bit and introduce people to maybe some smaller outfits and kind of, you know, the up close and personal from the old uh, ABC Olympic days, just kind of introduce people to some of the other people in the game and some of the organizations and charities and whatnot. So the two hours every morning, again, that's probably the way to see it. If you're here locally, Spectrum 1250 or around the country, the Roku Roberts channel or catch us on YouTube. Yeah, well, you guys do a great show. The The biggest name is the horse racing, and then schmucks like me will come on the show. Well, uh, oh, he said but, that. He but, said uh, the smaller uh, outfit. But, but That's I, 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 Paul, I said it for you because I knew Paul was thinking about it. But, hey, Seth, we're, we're climbing up the ladder. We're getting there. We've had a lot of really uh, famous people on the show, and, and I, I'm really proud of what we've done. And uh, we're definitely putting our name out there within the horse racing world. Seth, uh, we have a very uh, famous segment that our guests very much uh, like that we're going to – I uh, do for you. It is called 10 minutes to post 10 minutes to post. Seth, these are going to be 10 rapid. Now it's copyrighted. Seth, don't steal that on your show. Now <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Can I make, can uh, I have nine minutes to post? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, <laughs> 10, 10 rapid fire questions. So we want you to answer these basically like 30 seconds or less. And then we'll get into the handicapping to pick five at Saratoga. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Seth. We'll, we'll see, but uh, I feel ready. 
All right, you'll see questions on the bottom of the screen. Pete and Paul will alternate as we usually do. I have the first question. Uh, what was the first moment you fell in love with horses or horse racing, Seth? The first moment? That would be tough. I mean, I I kind of got into the game because of Saratoga Harness. I used to enjoy the harness races. And going back to when I first started going there in the summertime, there would be six or 8,000 people there. And they had a big set of bleachers at the end, and that was always full. And, um, I, so I kind of fell in love via Saratoga harness on summer nights when I was a kid. And, and then I kind of transitioned over and my early days, Forgo was one of my favorite horses, certainly. And then loved following his career. And so I don't know if I have a moment, but that, those are the kind of things that drew me into the game. Well, last weekend, the Garrity stakes was run. They had a huge stakes day at Saratoga. We yeah. checked it out Saturday night. I think Jingra, T-Trek, it, it was a big, it was the biggest night of the year. Just happened to be when I was there. So I checked out Saratoga Harness as well. Uh, Pete, you got the next question. All right. Best, most memorable horse racing event ever attended? Uh, that's a good question. Cause I, uh, a good question because I've never been to the Breeders' Cup. I've never been to the the uh, Kentucky wow. Derby, but what? I've been to I've been really I've, but you I've been to after no Breeders' Cup or Kentucky Derby. I'm I've been to plenty of big events at wow. Saratoga, and the biggest one was probably General Assembly's Travers, where he set a track record that, that stood for quite a while. And and I had the Woody Stevens horse, and I'm forgetting his name right now, but he was a horse that bounced around to kind of those second level derbies. You know, he ran well in the the Ohio Derby and the you know, Indiana Derby or whatever, and then came up to Saratoga and ran a great race. It just wasn't as good as General Assembly that day. So that, that for me, is probably the most memorable one. Wow. All right. Uh, Paul, you've got the next question at the bottom of the screen, Paul. Seth, if you could go back in time and see one race in person that you weren't able to view, which would it be? Well, in person, uh, probably Secretariat's Belmont, right? You know, go see the – the triple crown and the fabulous, you know, the the margin of victory and whatnot. I was there a few years ago. We were actually there for Capital OTB to watch American Pharaoh. And it, it, I'm sure the secretariat days were not that, it didn't play out that way because most people in the crowd were holding up their phone to get a picture. And I think somebody had kind of a, maybe it was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, kind of the icon iconic picture of folks holding up their phone and, and getting their memory that way. And as I say, it's probably a little bit different at Secretariat's era. But yeah, I'd like to have seen that in person. Uh, Seth, your favorite track to visit outside of the Naira Circuit? Another good question. Uh, I really like Tampa. Uh, my father, uh, before he passed away, when he was retired, he was down in Bradenton, a little below Tampa. I would yeah. go down and visit him and make some stops up at Tampa. Used to love the Sarasota Kennel Club as well, Derby Lane uh, on the, uh, the Greyhound side. But Tampa Bay, I think it's a nice little track. I think the racing has gotten very good. Uh, the turf is very good. Oaklawn, I'll, I'll toss in Oaklawn. Oaklawn has a very – just the town in general, too, has a kind of a Saratoga feel. Um, I like fairgrounds. Uh, so, but uh, uh, Tampa, I like Tampa. And I, you're in Florida in the wintertime. What's wrong with that? I, I'm sure you've been to Siesta Key then. That's just a beautiful area. I was actually in, I was in that area for the first time uh, last winter break. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, Pete. <laughs> Biggest mistake the average handicapper consistently makes. Biggest mistake the average handicapper. One thing that, uh, that, 
some public handicappers toss out that I don't necessarily disagree agree with is um, a first-time starter with odds that are six or eight to one or whatever, um, and they kind of feel like, well, that's cold on the board, so I'm not I'm not going to go there. I if if all the information I like on the first-time starter is there, the connections, the breeding, and you know, an auction price, an auction workout, maybe. I jump in and I want some odds. So I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm shy away if the odds are floating up a little bit, particularly in Saratoga where another horse can have a little bit of buzz and attract the action. I will say the opposite side of that, though, I do think you have to pay attention to. If a horse is 8-1 to one on the morning line and you look up at the board and all of a sudden you see 4-5, to five, then I think you do have to jump on board. But the horses that, that kind of float up, I, I'm not necessarily buying into them being cold. Well, something happened last week. I don't know if it was Thursday. I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday, but I don't think we'll ever see this again. Longest shot on the board, Chad Brown wins the first race. Longest shot on the board, Todd, Todd Fletcher. Fletcher won the second race. I mean, um, needless to say, I was out of the pick five at that point. But uh, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. That was that was crazy when that happened. I was able to see it in person, so I know what happened for sure. Uh, Paul, what you got here? Next question. Yeah, Actually, Seth, that happened today with the Al Stahl horse. That one horse was 8-1 to one morning line, and yeah. they bet him down yeah. at 2-1, to one, and he ran yeah. like he should have been 1-5. to five. They knew. <laughs> they, well, knew. they knew. Well, it's funny. I, 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 I was at work myself, uh, but I was playing along, of course, and uh, I shut myself out of the race. I was using the 3-6, and six, and I think he beat the six and three. He went by both of them like they were standing still. Anyway, your bucket list track or race day event you would like to attend, either here or abroad. Uh, I'm a I'm a beach kid. When I was a kid, I was a lifeguard at a swimming pool. But uh, I love the beach and you know looking at that opening shot at Del Mar every day where they look across the street at the beach. I've never been to Del Mar because of the overlap with Saratoga for many years. Um, Obviously, Derby and and Breeders' Cup uh, would be on the list. Uh, but the one I think, if if I'm really saying this would be fun, and I'd like to go Melbourne Cup, go to Australia, see the Melbourne Cup, the race that stops the nation. How Absolutely. can we disagree with that? Uh, my my top one, Matt Bernier. I've had a lot of people say the uh, uh, Melbourne Cup just looks like a lot of fun. Paul, did you want to? Say Howard, put that trip together. Howard, let's do it. All right, <laughs> live from live Melbourne. podcast, yeah, live well, podcast I, from Melbourne. I'm in. I think we need we need Pete's pockets for that one. We'll we'll have to talk to Pete about that one. <laughs> uh, all right, we got a few more questions. Uh, here's mine, Seth. You have to win one race for a million bucks. You're the owner. Which jockey do you want taking them out? Current jockey or going to be historic? Anyone you want in the in the history of the game. I'm probably going with Jerry Bailey. Um, I, I always thought, you know, as a Saratoga, as a homer with New York racing, uh, Jerry Bailey up at Saratoga was very good. And so I guess if I could go back, I'd land on Jerry Bailey. That, that's a pretty good pick. We got three more left. Uh, uh, Pete, this is yours. Ah, easy one. Vertical or horizontal better or both? I, I would say both just because the two things I play most often, I, I'm an exacta guy. I like exactas, but I've gotten into uh, pick fours over the past few years. And so I like pick fours uh, as well. And those are kind of the two go-to bets. Uh, you know, on a race-by-race -race basis, I'll play some tries. And occasionally I'll jump in, pick fives. or what. Uh, uh, I will say a bet that I've gotten kind of a little more into, probably in my early days I played it uh, much more than I do now, but uh, I've gotten a little more into it recently 
the double, I think, gets a little overlooked by people, yeah. particularly the rolling doubles now. But if you have a couple of opinions in a couple of races that are together, you can wind up with some decent money. If you put 20 bucks on it, you can walk away with three or $400 on a you know, $30 or $40 uh, double. So the doubles become kind of fun for me. As I play more contests, as you know, we talked uh, off the air about some contest play. Uh, I'm a big fan of doubles. I didn't used to play doubles much, but there's absolutely value in doubles if you check yeah. out the parlays. Uh, I'm sure that one horse, by the way, that Paul mentioned was was I'm sure you know way, uh, way uh, I'm sure was a was an uh, underlay in the parlay. I'm sure. Um, all right, uh, two more questions. I believe this is gonna. Uh, this is Paul's. Your favorite non-horse racing sporting event ever attended. I am an SU graduate, Syracuse University. I spent a couple I spent a couple of years at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute studying engineering and wound up at Syracuse uh, and got a degree in film production. So it was a little bit, I was all over the place. But as a Syracuse graduate, uh, I love Syracuse basketball. And some years ago, uh, my brother was in the Air Force. He was stationed in Hawaii. My two sisters, my dad and I went out to visit him and it overlapped with a tournament, one of those like Thanksgiving time tournaments that kick off the season that Syracuse was playing. And so what's wrong with a tournament? Syracuse basketball in Hawaii. Little Jimmy Bayheim, the the Maui classic, I think, a Maui invitation, I think is probably what you uh, uh, saw there. Uh, Last question. We really appreciate all your answers here, Seth. Uh, The craziest or most unusual or most embarrassing, completely up to you, on-air moment. How long have you been on-air, Seth, professionally? Uh... With OTV, probably about 12 years. Is there anything? And then I had my own small television co- production company before that where I was more behind the camera. Okay. What would be my – and I'm not anything reluctant to say it. Or embarrassing, uh, I'm not uh, reluctant to say it. I'm just trying to think. Of, I'm sure there have but, been. This, this, um, is, this is YouTube, okay? This is not – you know, we're, we're not on network uh, TV here. So we, we can uh, – we, we throw a little BS at each other. We can – you know, it's not – I'm trying – I, I wouldn't say it's R-rated, but it's not family necessarily either, so. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, as I say, I co-host the Sunday morning show with uh, Steve Bick, and he constantly makes fun of my wardrobe. So that has become kind of a, a running – oh, oh. <laughs> now I remember – okay, it was just last year. All right. Uh, the Sunday morning show. So it's Sunday morning. I'm in bed. I hear knocking at the door. Uh, I, I'm kind of grot. You know, it's maybe, it, it, well, it was actually fairly early in the meet. But once Saratoga starts, I'm kind of a zombie. So knocking at the door early in the morning, I open up the door. There's a woman there who says, oh, you're all right. And then from out of the side comes Paul Matisse. Uh, the wow. the very good handicapper yeah. and contest player. And it was Paul and his wife. I had, unbeknownst to me, because I had just hopped up to bed to answer the door, I overslept. I missed the 9 to 10 a.m. show completely. Wow. Vic came in to co-host with me at 10 a.m. And everybody's like, because they tried to call me, but I turn off my phone at night. So it doesn't. So they had tried to call. They couldn't get me. Vic then calls up Paul Matisse, who lives around the corner from me, and says, go check up. So... Uh, for weeks, uh, you know, became something on the air. I, I wound up showing up and getting in the last half hour, uh, and that was they they kind of made fun of that. But for weeks around the track, people, you know, were were kind of offering to buy me an alarm clock for for my birthday. So that 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 ranks up there. You're an insurance salesman. You're late. You're late to work. Nobody thinks anything. You're on TV. They think you're dead. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that could be a bit of a problem. Well, well, fortunately, you're okay, and we're we're we're, we're glad everything uh, worked out for you, Seth. You weren't fired or anything, so that's good. All right, Seth, let's <laughs> jump let's jump in the late pick five, uh, sir, because I, I think it's outstanding. We we handicapped Del Mar's pick five last night, which had huge field sizes. Field sizes not quite as big as Saratoga on Saturday, but the star power is absolutely out. We're gonna go ahead and start with race seven. Seth, you're going to be first. Let me bring uh, some things on the screen here as I as I uh, go ahead and bring up the Equibase. We use the Equibase entries, then we'll use DRFPPs, as I think you probably know on the show, uh, Seth. The late pick five on Saturday at Saratoga will start at approximately 4.17 Eastern Standard Time. It starts with a main special weight, five and a half furlongs on the turf. This is New York Breds there, and I'll show you the, everyone the field here. It is a field of 10 there are some also eligibles they're all main track onlys and seth as i bring our picks on the screen and everyone's gonna see something very unusual for this show we all are on the same horse believe it or not here uh so no pressure on the five horse uh the weather is supposed to be let's bring us on screen here seth the weather uh, obviously we got some rain today they might be off the turf tomorrow i'm curious to see what they do or at least I think a lot of the races could be off the turf tomorrow. But the next two days look great. The turf's going to be, I would say, good for Saturday, Seth, if I had to guess. Definitely took some moisture in the track. Yeah, You're, you're going with the five here in this race. We're all going with the five. Mr. Chairman, four to one for Clement and Rosario. I did not see that coming because now I'm thinking that four to one. Maybe we're, 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 that's a wishful thinking. But I called the race five, two, one, and four. I thought the nine and the eight were a little bit interesting. It's a tough race to start the sequence, but I'm going to use the five, two, and the one uh, on a pick five ticket. And five, Mr. Chairman, buy into mischief. Very good sire of first out uh, runners. And I get it. This is not a debut runner, but I think those first out, those debut runner stats indicate win early. And, and so far this year into mischief, 69 first time starters, 12 wins, nine seconds, 12 thirds. Good numbers, obviously, for the sire. The dam is getting a little long in the tooth. Her first fall was in 2009, but she has produced Disco Partner. That horse won its debut back in 2014. Overall, won 11 of 32. Another sibling called Fly Fly Away that was fifth in debut and then won the second start. That was back in 2019. So I thought there was a little... The horse we're talking about is this gray here on the outside, guys, that we're watching here. Go ahead, Seth. Yeah, winds up uh, running second in the debut. Um you know, so I thought there was a little win early top and bottom. Christophe Clement can get horses to win early. So off of this debut effort we're seeing where the horse uh, runs a nice second, I'm going to use this one, the experience under the belt, uh, the win early breeding, Clement uh, as well. I'll also use uh, Hey Mac, it's Jack, goes out for Kerry Breon, the uh, the up-and-coming steeplechase trainer who worked for Jonathan Shepard. Uh, folks who watch my handicapping enough know that I was a Jonathan Shepard fan for years and years. And so I think she is picking up the mantle very nicely and off the second place finish for this one. You know, nine tries, or excuse me, eight tries already and hasn't gotten it done. But it seems like the last effort may be pointing in a good direction. It built to last uh, for Tom Morley again. Off the last effort maybe is moving in the right direction. So now I'm really intrigued to see what we do get for odds on the five, but I'm going to use the five, two, and the one. Yeah, I, David Aragon, as I talked about on your show, and I'm sure you've talked about many times, Seth, 
I, I think he's the best morning line maker in the country. Yeah. I just, you know, with Rosario and Clement and a huge effort, there's just a lot of horses in here, Seth, that just don't do a lot for me. They've had their chances. They haven't gotten the job done. Uh, Pete, let's go to you. I'm assuming you feel – I don't think we need to talk too much about this race, guys. We all have similar horses. Uh, was that your feeling, Pete, just uh, a horse that, that can improve and others just don't do much for you? Yeah, pretty much. And obviously I like Seth being on the show. We have the same exact pit. So me and him are, me and him are simpatico. So either we're going to go right down the tubes together or we're going to make some money together. But yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. You always like a horse with the, with these types of connections who ran really well in their first start, took money. So I know we talked about that earlier, but was the favorite coming out of the gate. So that usually means that they're at least yeah. sort of well thought of. Plus I like the fact that the works after that race are still good. Yeah. So it shows that it's well, still in form. By the way, Stever oh, came back a few days ago and ran big. Um, and I was actually on Saturday. I was there, so the form fits. I think the third yeah. place finisher came back and won. Nice yeah. buyer jump. And then I had a yeah. uh, Clement has a thirty-one percent win and sixty-four percent in the money with second career starters in maiden special wow. weight turf sprints. So it's pretty wow. specific, but it was just something that maybe is in his wheelhouse. So I mean, a lot of things are in his wheelhouse, but <laughs> maybe this is one. And again, you have Rosario, so I, I just think this one fits in everything. And like you said. It, this one looks like it's on the improve, whereas some of these other ones just sort of are what they are. Like the favorite, the four, which um, I mean, Paula wind up talking to. It's one of those who's yeah. run a bunch of times and still hasn't won. Maybe those you get a little soured on. Yeah, Paul, talk about the four feathers road. I think this is the best closer in the race. Uh, I mean, she's very consistent, but the 0 for 10 doesn't exactly exude a lot of uh, confidence. Yeah, I picked her second, but strictly to finish on the board. Uh, and I think there's no chance the four goes off lower odds than the five. I uh, agree. I, I think they got away with one with the five last time, putting her in for 40. You know, yeah. um, out of an into mischief horse. Seth, you talked about the mare, and she is getting on, but she, she throws turf sprinters. She's a 24% win rate with turf sprinters. And, you know, Pete talked about Clement. That goes for this race. But, you know, a Generazio homebred that you can – out of into mischief, you could have grabbed for 40. I, I think they got away with one there, and you notice they weren't going to risk it uh, a second time. So uh, I, I think the four is strictly an underneath horse for me. Howard, uh, I, I will have her probably as a C in my sequence uh, just in case. But I, I would uh, – even in a race like this, I, I think I would lean fairly heavily on the five. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can almost single this horse to start you pick five, depending on how the other money. But there's other there's horses that we're about to talk about that are also very singleable for people that like to do that. Let's jump on to the next two races. And Seth, uh, we've got a grade one and a grade two. It's just two fantastic races with incredible history. Um, you know, for a long time with these uh, races. We're going to talk about race eight here. Race eight is the uh, Alfred G. Vanderbilt. It's a grade one. I believe it's a win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, they're going six furlongs. It's 350000 on the dirt. There is an absolute monster who really needs no introduction in this race, Seth. The number four, Jackie's Warrior. Yeah, you were alluding you could single. I'm not on the pick five, but just because uh, the way I play, I do like to maybe toss somebody else in just if, because if you do get past this one, the thing blows up. And, and I could still keep the ticket fairly affordable. I mean, in some instances, I may wind up there with the single. 
if I thought I had super clever opinions and had to go wider later. But again, my ticket kind of fell into a place where I, I'm going to use New York uh, traffic as well. But it goes through Jackie's Warrior, clearly. You look at that four for four record, which includes last year, uh, you know, the nice win in the Jerkins. That was probably, if not the best, one of the best races uh, last year up in Saratoga where Jackie's Warrior took on Life is Good. So four for four over the track. Another one of these super potent sprinters from Asmussen. He's just had a barn full of them over the past few years. Of course, comes in in good form off the two uh, triple digit wins most recently. It goes through Jackie's Warrior. But again, New York traffic, uh, the win two back against State Breads was pretty good. Then went to Penn National. That was kind of a, uh, an interesting move, but went there and, and pulled down the winner's share of $100,000. So a little confidence booster, perhaps, for the sappy horse. So I'll play that one as well. I would say if folks are maybe want to take a one punch on the exacta, I wouldn't have an argument uh, if you put Jackie's Warrior over Knee Deep in Snow or if you like Willie Boy, uh, Chantal Sutherland coming up for the ride. Um, I don't know if, whether I would necessarily one-punch Jackie's Warrior and New York traffic, but if you want to play around, maybe the one or the two could be interesting. I need Jackie's Warrior. As I say, goes through Jackie's Warrior on my ticket. I'll throw in just uh, a little, little other idea with New York traffic. Seth, you feel pretty confident New York traffic will be the second choice in this race? I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I found it interesting that this horse has never run at Saratoga. That's one thing I found very interesting about New York traffic. The other thing about New York traffic is I always thought he was a bit like one pace plotting type. And now Safi's got him sprinting and sprinting really well. So uh, he's in raging form. I don't, he's not as good enough. He's not as good as Jackie's Warrior. But listen, you could do worse with picking a long shot to beat Jack. It's got IRAD. So, I mean, there's some things to like about this horse. Paul, I want to go to you. I mean, we don't need to keep talking about Jackie's worry. You also have New York traffic in third. Paul, is there any scenario, any scenario you can see where Jackie's worry loses this race? Oh, yeah. It's Saratoga. Of course. This is, uh, of course. The, this, Bell Sophia, the, Bell Sophia lost it one to two earlier this week, mm, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the thing is, though, you know, find her bad race on the, you know, the Breeders' Cup sprint, you know, that was, uh, that was yeah. her bad race, you know, and it his, just his, uh, Paul loves his. calling horses by the wrong sex. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know ja Jackie. The Jackie thing throws throws yeah. everyone off. But no, I, I mean, I've, I I covered the uh, Saratoga Special when he won this race as a two year old, uh, and as Seth says, he. In addition, you know, you try to find a way to beat a one to five shot. And then you're looking at four for four at Saratoga. So, you know, sometimes you get a horse coming in with those numbers. You say, well, maybe he won't like the track. But yeah. this is arguably his favorite track of all tracks. So yeah. I, I agree, though, Howard. Um, I think New York traffic has turned into a really good one-turn horse. And um, if, if I were picking seahorses to, to beat Jackie's Warrior, which I may not be, they would be the two and three. I, I also, Seth, would uh, – it looks like this, too, is in very good form. I, you know, I don't know how that Gulfstream form is going to translate, but, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't uh, – Delgado's a good trainer. Uh, I think Chantel's a pretty good jockey, and I think to send a horse up here from Gulfstream knowing Jackie's warrior is waiting, they must be fairly confident that, that at least the horse is going to be better than everyone else. A few quick shout-outs. Chris Mack mentioned, yeah, absolutely the great year of champions. Uh, Val Place, uh, 
thanks for joining the show. Appreciate it. Shout out to Ross Blacker, uh, who is a fan of the show, and I actually met for the second time. I saw him at the Belmont. I saw him last weekend, and Ross very much liked Cyberknife, so congratulations to Ross, uh, one of our uh, uh, dedicated uh, listeners and viewers who had uh, Cyberknife. Uh, Pete, I mean, this is just Jackie's Warrior. Move on. Yeah, probably. I mean, I just don't know if there's anyone. Paul talked about the Breeders' Cup. In the, in the Breeders' Cup, there's obviously top-notch horses, and there's horses that can at least try and did run with Jackie's Warrior that day. I just don't know if there's anyone in this race who could do that. Like if you like, I know you have the, I see you have the two on top. So you'll talk about Willie boy, but yeah. Willie boy, isn't going to be able to run with Willie boy is going to need no. someone to soften Jackie's warrior up and then potentially yeah. would have to come off the pace a little bit. So I, I mean, even if you just look at the time forms, if you just go straight on numbers, I just don't see anyone who has consistently the numbers to run with Jackie's warrior. And I mean, when he gets on the lead, you're not catching them unless you're great. And, and none of these horses are great. No. All right, guys, here's my goofy opinion. Everyone, feel free to make fun of it. That's absolutely fine. I mean, I don't need to talk about Jackie's word. He's obviously the horse to beat. And he'll probably draw off and win by four. Here's the thing, and I think you guys would all agree with this. Jackie's warrior, in, in his first two races this year, actually three races, but his last two races faced, like, no early speed. He just found unbelievably great spots, just basically walked to the lead, I mean, even the last time, I mean, I know it says he was, it looks like he was pushed a little bit, but 22 and four first quarter. I mean, he's been 22 and three, 22 and four first quarter is his last two. The only start that he was pushed at all was his first race back. Now you could say he didn't run as well because it was first race back. Okay, fine. But there's legitimate early speed in this race. Knee deep in snow is fast early. I mean, I don't think he has any chance in hell to win this race, but he's fast. Uh, did everyone notice that the uh, needy, uh, sorry, uh, Willie boy is trained by Jorge Delgado, right? Did you guys notice who the five is trained by? Uh, sorry, six. excuse me, the, the six, who is absolutely dead speed. Now, look, Doc Amster is two to five to finish last in this race, in my opinion, okay? But couldn't, couldn't this horse press Jackie's Warrior really hard early? I mean, is that not possible? I just. I, 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 if there's a long shot, if there's a horse that's going to win this race, I'm going to go with two Willie Boy because uh, this horse is getting better and better. Uh, he, you know, he's he's fresh. It's fourth off the layoff. I have no idea if he can handle Saratoga. Chantel figures to sit a great trip. People are going to poo-poo Chantel because they don't think she can ride anymore. She she can ride, guys. She can ride. I've seen her down at Gulfstream. I don't know if Willie Boy has a chance at hell in this race. But if there's an upsetter, I'm going with this too. Would not shock me. And Seth, as you said, this would completely blow up the pick five or pick four or whatever. So I'm going to use Willie Boy not equally with Jackie's Warrior. I'll probably put Willie Boy as a B as in boy. And I'll throw New York traffic as a C. It's just the first time all year, guys, that Jackie's Warrior has probably faced some serious early speed. Seth, tell me I'm completely crazy. I, I like to call on the, the you know, the the barn mate as it were and yeah. certainly you look at that last race at monmouth you know with a 107 and change six furlongs i'll also toss one other thought out there this is the alfred vanderbilt handicap and jackie's right. warriors is assigned 127 yeah. and you know we don't pay that much attention to weight anymore but how often do you see a horse carrying 127 so yeah. uh jackie's warriors giving a little bit of weight away here uh as well and it, it you know 
I get through the first leg uh, of my uh, pick five, and as I say, I, I'm looking at in this leg using the four and the three. I may put together a little pick four using Willie Boy myself because that'll blow up either of those bets. Yeah, I mean, they, to, to not use Jackie's word, be just flat out stupid. But I, I don't think this is a I don't think this is a secretary here. I mean, I, I don't think Jackie's word is like infallible. Um, we'll have to see if if he wins easily, guys. I get the feeling he'll just keep winning easily and then go to the Breeders' Cup and face like serious animals and serious speed and maybe lose again. I have nothing against this horse. I love the horse and I love Rosario and Asmussen. I don't know. There's just and by the way, last thing, Seth, before we move on, the track has been unusually slow this meet. And I'm not yes. saying I'm not saying the supers are doing anything wrong, but I've seen like six furlongs on fast dirt and like one thirteen, like crazy. I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people. What do people make of that right now or has that been a topic of discussion? I, I didn't hear too much about it really until today. And look at some of the times today and people were picking up on, yeah, the, the, the track is uh, deep. I don't know, but the times today were notably slow. Yeah. Now maybe the rain is going to change. I don't know, but just something I'm not saying it's unfair. I'm not saying it's untoward. I'm not trying to start a controversy. I, I just find it interesting. Paul, you cover obviously Saratoga over the special have you heard through the grapevine from the Clancy's or anyone uh, that topic of conversation? It's a really slow times at Saratoga on the dirt this meet so far. Yeah, I haven't, but I uh, one of my my guys that uh, I go up with is already up there, and you know he texted me after the, or I texted him after the first race today when I think they went one fifty four for a mile and a was it a mile and an eighth, Seth? It was some ridiculous. I think the three quarters was one sixteen, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a mile and an eighth. They went 154 and two. So I texted my friend who was up there and I said, I demand that immediately you challenge the winner of that race to a match race. Because I said, I think you can hold your own. So Pete, uh, you could run in 156, Pete. I hear you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah. I could barely so, yeah, get up the I, steps. Look, never mind, the, never mind you know, running around the can track. And those are good points, Howard, about the barn mates. You know, the only thing about Jackie's Warrior running, quote, not that fast is. That's as fast as he's had a run. You know, last year in this race yeah. in the Amsterdam, in the slop, he went 21 and two and kept going. You know, so, and then you look at that uh, Pat Day Mile last year, you know, uh, when they went uh, 107 and four for four furlongs yeah. and he kept going. So, hey, look, you're, you want to hit the pick five without him and it's wise to, to, it's wise to have a chance, but I don't. I look at this field and I don't see anyone jumping off the page as, you know, boy, this is a race where he's vulnerable. I think this field is very, very average. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Let's move out of the Jim Dandy, guys. This is the big prep, of course, is the great two. It's the big prep for the uh, Travers uh, next month, which, which – Looks to be Seth an unbelievable race next month. Yeah. By the way, not that this one is too bad. Maybe one of the better Jim Dandies we've seen in a long time. Uh, post times approximately five thirty-seven. It's six hundred thousand dollars. Of course, strict for three-year-olds. They're going a mile and eighth on the dirt. We've got a small but very contentious field of five with Epicenter early voting Zandon. I mean, Tony Port's not that bad himself, and sort of a toss-in for Rudy Brissett and Western. River, as everyone can see on the screen, there's Seth. You're going to go with early voting, who is super impressive in the uh, Preakness. We'll show the end of that race beating uh, Epicenter. Yeah, I, I went back and forth and back and forth. And I've been saying on TV for 
uh, the last month and a half or so. The first half of the season left the three-year-old crop kind of undefined, and I thought the summer is going to start to to you know validate these horses. Perhaps uh, you know Haskell, Jim Dandy, Travers, Pennsylvania Derby. Well, I don't think the Haskell helped us out much. Cyberknife from this point on with you know, the Arkansas Derby and the Haskell has a chance to really move forward. But two horses in this race, Epicenter and Early Voting uh, in this Jim Dandy, clearly have the opportunity to move forward and, and kind of step up uh, as a leader of the division, perhaps. And again, I went back and forth and back and forth. I really like Epicenter, but I just thought, boy, that Preakness victory. And I like the Chad and Seth Klarman. Uh, Chad said he was interviewed before the Derby, and he said, you know, the, the horse is lightly raced. And that being lightly raced, you rush your horse into the derby. You can, you know, get him going the wrong way. He said, I'm lucky enough to have an owner who is able to take time if we want to do that. That's what they did. They came back in the preakness. It paid off for them. Solid buyer figure, still lightly raced with only the four starts. So I tilted in that direction, but just slightly over epicenter. Those two are the, the two that, you know, on a pick five, I, I'll be using. Zandon, I think, is a little bit intriguing as well. Connie Port maybe probably has to step it up a little, but I wouldn't knock anybody who was playing around in that direction. But I have it four, two, five, and three. And again, on a pick five, I, I pop in the four and the two. So, Seth, how do you see this? How do you envision this race uh, to, from a race flow perspective? There's not a lot of early speed. Early voting looks like he can get the lead if he wants it. But Epicenter, in, at least in my opinion, is best on the lead or very close to the lead. The problem with Rosario and Epicenter is that he's inside of early voting. So what do you think the strategy is going to be from the Asperson camp here, Seth? Yeah, it does seem like early voting is the one who, as you say, just with the, the post position, is probably going to wind up controlling, maybe sitting outside Epicenter and controlling around the turn and into the back stretch, and, and then maybe try to take a little bit of a lead. As you say, you go back on Epicenter's PPs, He's had plenty of races where he liked the lead, but I just think what he's done in the past couple of starts uh, indicates that. And I think that I agree with what you were kind of alluding to. I think early voting is probably going to be the one to chase an epicenter will play like he did in the past couple of starts. And again, in a short field with the strategic kind of a, a situation here, again, the, the edge goes a little bit to early voting, but yeah, it looks like basically a, a race without a whole lot of pace but it's probably between those two early who takes the lead. And I would, I would vote for early voting. No pun intended. Okay. Um, by the way, any questions for Seth, uh, please feel free to put them in the chat. My, my feeling here in this race and uh, Paul, we'll go to you next. My feeling is Joel's going to break somewhat aggressively. I think early voting can take the lead. And I think then Joel will have time to sort of come around on the outside and just sit outside of early voting. And then it's going to be a horse race. And I, I just, I have a hard time believing, guys, that with a month out from the biggest race, you know, for the summer, the Travers, they're going to, like, hook up or anything. That would absolutely shock me. I just, you know, and I will talk about that next because all these guys want to win. I mean, you can say it's a prep, but it's 600000 Like you mentioned, Seth, I mean, there's three-year-old voting on the line eventually, and people are going to point to this race, maybe, and say, well, he beat him and he beat – I mean, so if, for people to suggest these horses are not cranked at all – or like they don't care. It's just for the Travers. I respectfully disagree, Paul. How how cranked these horses are? I mean, they all they're all competitive. They want to win this race, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got Epicenter coming off a layoff. 
you have Zandon coming off a layoff. You have early voting coming off a layoff. They, you know, they're going to be keen to go. Watch the way they've been working. You know, I, I don't, you know, this, as you said, it's a $600,000 race at Saratoga. And, yeah. you know, the Travis is going to be absolutely loaded. So don't put all your eggs in, in that basket. So I, I would say, uh, you know, I, I would say you're going to see their best. You know, Asterson really has a chip on his shoulder with this horse. You know, he, he feels <laughs> yeah. the horse should have won the Derby, and he's right. Yeah. Uh, and then he feels the horse got a bad ride in the Preakness, and he's right. And, <laughs> you know, he – I think this horse is going to be sitting on go, and there's no way – you know, he was seventh out of nine last time. You know, I, I think Epicenter, at worst, at worst, is going to be second early. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's right on the lead. I because I, I think – I don't think they're going to make, you know, I loved early voting in the Preakness. You know, I, I think he, he, he ran, rode the best race, had the best horse, but I think Asterson really is chomping at the bit for this horse to win one of these high profile races. And I think this horse will be sitting on go and will be on or near the lead. I would be fascinated if Epicenter goes hard, I'd be fascinated to see what early voting does. Like, I mean, I, like I said, I don't think they're going to hook up. I mean, early voting would just sit then. I cannot imagine these two right. hooking up. That being said, Paul, you've got Zandon on top, who I loved in the Derby. I loved the source in general. I have to say, in my opinion, I thought it was a little disappointing in the Derby. I thought he was going by. He never did. I'm slightly concerned about the mile and a quarter next month with distance, but this mile and eighth, to me, uh, just suits this horse perfectly. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, they showed the Derby, uh, of uh, of course, on the Fox show today. So I had to live through that again. I I had uh, like yourself, Howard. I had a pretty good futures bet on Zandon that it looked like he was rolling right on by. And uh, the way it turned out, I'm glad he didn't go by because if if he had gone by and then got picked up by Rich Strike, then I would have you know really been on the health watch. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I kind of still have this sneaky feeling. There's a outside chance this guy could be the best of a, a good crop. So uh, if he is, he's got to win this race, and I, I think he's got every chance to win this race. Yeah, he's going to sit a great trip. I mean, he's got no real excuses other than he's maybe not ready. Pete, any final comments that you want to mention about this race before we move on? Well, real quick, I would just say I, I like the, the one thing I like when you see these three hook up is I do think early voting will be on the lead. I think that's where he does his best work. I think in the Preakness, he just knew. I think Jose knew that he was behind really cheap speed, so he was able to sit off of it. But I think in this one, they're going to run and do what they do best, which is fun. You have early voting, who's really good on the lead. Epicenter, who I think is really good just sitting off and Zandon, the closer. So it's nice having them at all three levels and, and to see them all hook up. But I think the one thing with Zandon, to Paul's benefit maybe, would be in a five-horse field, he's not going to be a so far back. So it's just going to be when he makes yeah. the move. But I do think for Epicenter this time, he's going to have to be on early voting's neck, like at the top of the lane. You can't fool around and let him kick away a little bit because he's really tough yeah. to catch. So I think Joel's going to have to be aggressive, get to him early, and then see if he can go by. But I, I don't think he can wait on it too long and then try and pass him late because I'm not sure early voting is really going to give it up, even though he did against Mo Donegal. But I, I think he's really – he's coming into his own, so you can't let him get away cheaply in the lane. Yeah, it's going to be a fast – 
I'm going to be very interested to see where the betting public winds up. David Aragona has him a fraction of a tick away. I, I'm really intrigued to see which way the betting public winds up going. Um, Seth, even though, I mean, a lot of people can say, well, I never want to bet, you know, make a win bet at X odds. It's all about value, right? So you you have early voting on top. Let's just, just hypothetically, last question. What is the lowest odds that you would go on a win bet personally on uh, Epicenter? Would you bet him at uh, seven to five? Uh, probably eight to five or, or yeah, eight to five is about my low end on, on win bets. Otherwise I start looking for other options. Okay. Fair enough. I, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, what? I think early voting is actually going to be favored. Just, just a gut feeling. Maybe it's the, you know, the, the, the Clarevich situation. I don't know, but it's going to be a great race guys. And anyway, you look at it, uh, waiting in the wings is charge it. And Paul, the mighty rich strike is waiting for them. <laughs> in the trappers. He's working. Howard, did you hear? He's knocking down the barn. I think everyone... <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. If you're smart, you will bet this horse in the Travers. <laughs> Paul, Paul's doing that on purpose, Seth, because he wants a bigger price than everyone else. So <laughs> not a huge rich strike bet. All right, let's go, on to, let's go on to race 10, which I think is actually the most wide-open race of the entire sequence, personally. This is a very tough race here. Race 10... It's an allowance. It's mile to 16th on the turf. This is for three-year-olds and up. Uh, it's an N2X. 115. Wow, Seth. $115,000 <laughs> is the purse. My goodness. You've got a huge field here, as you can see on the screen. Uh, goes down. There are some AEs, but again, they're MTOs, and I highly doubt this race will be taken off the turf. Uh, Seth, you're going with a horse that was absolutely awesome in his first start. Cost two million dollars and somehow went off the board at five to one in that race. The number twelve I go to this is it pronounced cap? Hold on a second, I get to it. Uh, hold on one second. There we go. Yeah, Capensis uh, for Todd Pletcher and Jose Ortiz. We'll watch the stretch run. This horse was absolutely awesome. Yeah, I, and I really debated because I, I kind of agree with you. Um, that this is a wide open race, but the way I handicap, I handicap them the way I think they're going to come under the wire and then let the, 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 the folks decide how they want to bet because there's so many different ways to bet. Now you can go win on the win side or you can use horses in the horizontal. And, and so Capensis the 12, as I say, I went back and forth and back and forth with only the one race. He's going to have to validate it. Boy, this horse looked good in the yeah. debut. And so I went there, but again, uh, I think you can make cases in other directions. Ricochet, 12 to 1 on the morning line for Mike yeah. Maker. Comes out of a starter allowance win. And I think that was a nice performance that bodes well for uh, Saturday afternoon. And again, you get a price at 8 to 1 base read money going out for Rob Atris off a couple of good second place finishes. I think that horse belongs in the conversation. And I couldn't ignore. I think the numbers, and I'm a buyer's guy, but they're a tool in the toolbox. To me, the numbers are a little bit light on orchestration, but you just you can't ignore Chad and Klarovich. And I won't be shocked because of the numbers and because I think today's betters focus so much on the buyers. I wouldn't be shocked to see this one float up a little bit. That said, I, I think orchestration belongs in the conversation. Chad and Klarovich and a horse that is lightly raced and now has had a break. And I always say lightly race two-year-olds or even lightly race three-year-olds. When they take time off and come back that next season, 
it's not surprising to see them come back improved. And so orchestration, I think, has to be in the conversation uh, for me as well. So I'm two, eight, one, and three, and on the pick five ticket, I'll I'll plug all of those in. Yeah, I almost put orchestration on top. One quick thing about consensus. Pletcher's numbers first time out going long on the turf are not very good. So not only did Compensus just blow away the field, he sort of blew away the stat because Pletcher doesn't usually do that too often. Uh, Pete, I'm going to let you talk about orchestration. I'm going to show the last replay. I almost put this horse on top. I think this horse is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. This is the kind of like contest horse that I love to play because uh, you know I think you're going to get a decent price because Compensus is going to be, I think, sub two to one, like probably seven to five or some ridiculous number what is he liked about uh the three pete and i'll show the last uh replay uh when he had a lot of trouble the uh, uh orchestration is gonna be the three horse in this replay uh go ahead pete yeah and i actually i think seth hit on what I, what i like the one thing when he talked about the numbers are a little low but in that last race and, and you'll see it here it was a really bad trip really tough probably if he gets away and any any can he can go by then he maybe runs a better number there now you're talking about a horse coming from into their four-year-old season you know on the improve with numbers that are closer to the 12 where is the i don't know if you want to right point here. it out oh, and, right oh right the worst time just gets pinched really bad and then he's got yeah, you can like see the claravich colors there yep and now swings swings yeah. about what five wide there to try and and you know, has run late, so it doesn't. It did. He didn't give it up, so he he had run late, but Watch he was the gallop just... out. By the way, Pete and everyone, the gallop out. Yeah, I did. It's a little hard to see. It's right here. I'm gonna let it yeah. keep running through the trees. Go ahead, Pete, but just keep watching the very outside. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and so I just think that one, again, we always talk about muddying up the form a bit, and I think that one does. If you don't watch the replay, maybe you just look at it and, and you think of it as a, eh, maybe not so great, but yeah, I absolutely. think that one could have been a lot better. And then, like Seth said, I like a horse that's coming back. So those numbers don't match up maybe, but those were last year's numbers. If this yeah, one yeah. is on the improve and those numbers jump up, now he's right there with – with the 12 who's now coming out of the 12 hole only second start actually had a weird stat on, on the 12 Pletcher. You talked about him first time out going long, not being so good. I have a pretty granular one where he's three for 28 Pletcher on the win end with maidens who won their last race um, coming back in an allowance turf route over the past couple of years. So for whatever reason, and again, I don't, sometimes some of these it's hard to, it's hard to figure out why they are what they are, yeah. but you know, just coming back, but maybe this one bucks all the trends. I mean, he's a $2 million horse. He just could be special. So you could throw all those out the window, potentially if you get a good enough horse. Yeah. I mean, three for 28 is not, and that 28 is not a small sample. Yeah, it's not small. And I, and I do it's, think the 12 could hamper. I mean, it's again, it's a horse on their second start coming out, you know, it was in a seven horse field out of the four hole, which is kind of, kind of fine. And it just went to the back and, and, and was able to run by probably horses. It's just better than, cause I thought it was a yeah. pretty weak field. So now you're coming out of the 12, who knows what's going to happen from there. So there's, I don't think it's a lock. I don't think though, he's probably the best horse in the race on paper by far. Paul, your general thoughts, you've got the eight. I, I you know, the eight is, is up and coming. Um, I, I don't like him on top, but I think uh, Ricochet, you know, and, and, Seth mentioned him. I mean, you all three of you have this horse in the money. I have this horse actually as a B or a C. Um, he's interesting and getting better for Maker. I mean, you could do worse 12 to 1 shots in this horse. Well, all is right with the world again because Pete and I have the same numbers. Yeah, we're back, Paul. We're back. <laughs> after, in, we're back. After yeah. a, 
uh, after uh, I went off the reservation. Last we're up, obviously the West Coast isn't isn't our thing. Right? We're back yeah, more East Coast uh, people. No, th this was uh, th you know I, I again I, I like him as a board horse, but I'm glad Seth Seth mentioned it too. It gives me a little more confidence. I, I think you know the and I like Trump better a lot, but you know you're not gonna you can't go wrong going to to Mike Maker. Um, you know, uh, this is <laughs> crazy things happen in the last race of the day. Oh, this isn't the last race of the day. No. Should it usually is. Uh, I, I think the horse has a puncher's chance. He'll be a B or C. Um, I thought the Compensus race, uh, I watched it. If you watch it, and we don't need to see it, but you showed the no. stretch, Howard. But if you watch everything yeah. up to the stretch, there is not one second in that race that Jose Ortiz asked that horse to run at all until on the far turn. I mean, never did his hands did not move before the far turn. And yeah. that was impressive. And the, you know, the three was a, a horrendous, horrendous trip. Um, so that, and I, I've had this, I had him on my horse watch. He ran great at Saratoga last year on, uh, I think that was Travis Eve or Travis day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So uh, those are the two for me with a little bit of ricochet. All right, guys, here's my clever or stupid opinion. Of we'll see what happens when the race ends. To me, the 12 is like exactly the type of horse you're supposed to beat and try to beat. I mean, we've all – I mean, I have nothing negative to say. The horse was amazing. This is like a grade one compared to the field that he faced last time. This is a much tougher field. He's got the 12 hole, which is not ideal. The ground is not going to be super firm like it was at Belmont. There's just like three or four things that I could think of as to why I should not put this horse on top. So, therefore, I'm not. Obviously, he can win. Uh, Coloseo, Dean G. Dean G, are you paying attention? I like Coloseo, Dean G. Um, this horse, and I'm going to – I'll be very brief. Uh, this horse almost beat St. Mark's Basilica, as Dean G said. Um, he's got some races on the go back that are very, very good. Last year is a three-year-old. He finished – Second in the French uh, 2000 Guineas, like I said, the St. Mark's Basilica. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show a race I was going to, but we're, I want to uh, move on. The race, uh, I don't know if you guys can see it, but August 21st last year, the pre uh, Daphne, it was, a, it was a Grade Three, um, beat Adhamo. Adhamo was in that race and smoked Adhamo. Now I know that was last year. Adhamo, of course, won at Monmouth, won the um, United Nations. So. You know, he's he's been he's been inconsistent, obviously, if you look at his time for ratings, but he's gone left handed the last two stars, which I like. Wayne Catalano is no fool. He does not bring a lot of horses to Saratoga. I'm feeling this horse is very live. He's faced by far, guys, by far the toughest horses. I have no idea if he can take the Saratoga tight turns. He's really a mystery horse. But to me, other than the 12, I just don't see a lot in here that I'm that interested in. And I see no reason why Coloseo can't win this race if he runs his best. So I'm going to go with Coloseo. I'm fascinated to see what odds he's going to be. That is my pick here in this race. And, and it, is a, it is a guess, I will say. But I'm, I'm, I think this horse is really, really interesting. And he's used to running on softer turf. And it's not going to be soft on Saturday, but there's definitely some give in the ground after uh, the rain today. All right, Seth, let's go on to the last race. Again, we really appreciate your time, Seth. You've been awesome. Hope you enjoyed being on the show. And Seth, don't be a stranger, man. We, we want to have you back uh, sometime to talk about Saratoga or or whatever. Let's go into the uh, last race here. 
It's race 11 as I switch it over. Let me switch over the banners. Let's do that. There we go. It's claiming 25,000, one mile on the turf for uh, for three-year-olds and up. These are sort of your, uh, you know, your hard-knocking older horses that makes the game uh, what it is on a daily basis. The morning line favorite is number three, big agenda for Jeffrey Englehart and Jose Ortiz. And that's where you're going with, Seth. And that's my top choice also. Yeah, I have a three, uh, seven, five, and oh, first of all, I'll say, you know, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I'm happy uh, to, to be on and, and uh, the, the time is no problem. And I noted, I tweeted out before I came in, you kept me out of Cyril's tonight. So that's always, I didn't, I didn't, need, I, I, didn't I didn't need to be there. So uh, I'm happy to be home and, and I'll get an early night tonight, which I can always use to get in for TV uh, in the morning. But again, three, seven, five and nine. I will say the 11 is the first horse on the AE list. And if one of mine scratches and the 11 gets in, I'm going to pull that horse uh, into my pick five uh, ticket. But I put Big Agenda on top, Jeremiah Englehart off the claim. They stick at the same level. The horse has been competitive at this level over the past few starts. And I just thought when you looked at the rest of this field, the complexion of the rest of this field, it's competitive. But I'm going to give this guy a slight edge off what we've seen lately. Similar scenario with the Rob Falcone runner, Jack the Cat, claimed out of a nice try against this type uh, last time. We had a winning effort against this type, two starts back. I'm always, when horses do well at a level and come back at the same level in their next start, I always say, why not right back? And I think both of these yeah. kind of play into that. Barley won. Barley won. I debated putting on top at the eight to one. Hmm. And I'll share an angle that I have liked for many years now and can pay off nicely, you know, at, at prices, you're not going to get it to work every time, but at prices, you don't have to get it to work every time. Yeah. State-bred allowance runners moving out of state-bred allowance into an open claim. It can be very productive. And as I say, I debated putting this horse on top on that angle, but I like the angle a lot better when it's a longer string of state-bred allowance races. When they're kind of in that level and move out, this one has been bouncing around uh, in other open claiming company before the last couple of starts. But again, I like that angle quite a bit. We're getting eight to one. So Barley won in my mix and healing also uh, coming in from out of town. And I think class wise is going to class up nicely for, with these for a mic maker. So again, three, seven, five and nine and that 11 Artemis bridge. Don't let uh, uh, an AE escape your, uh, your gaze. If that one does scratch into the race. Well there's actually a lot of very live AEs. I thought, uh, again, a ball of rocks is not possible if he gets in. I mean, there's a lot of AEs. I thought that the best AE is Monarchs Glenn, probably, although he's eight, but he's got a ton of back class. So everyone needs to check the, you know, for scratches and changes. I will say about the five, I don't want to poo-poo you, Seth, there to end, to end, end, end your appearance at the show, but Barley won actually bet last time in a contest and came through for me. He got an unbelievable ride by Ired last time. I don't, I don't know if he can get that kind of trip again, but the ride that I read, you want to watch a ride, watch, watch the ride that I, I read actually fist pumped after that last race and an allowance race. He must've, you know, I think he did it for Kameho. There's not a connection there. I don't know. But anyway, it was, it was a bizarre celebratory fist pump after winning a, an N one X New York red race. But, uh, Barley uh, Barley won was got an unbelievable trip last time. Um, let's see. Let's go to you, Pete. Um, I don't have Jack the Cat in the top three, but I can't really say 
any negative reasons other than I just thought maybe he wasn't as good as some others. What is it you liked about this horse, uh, Pete? Yeah, I thought this one was was sort of wide open. I do like the the jockey change to Rosario. Rosario picks this one up. I, I like yeah. that um, Falcone. I had him at twenty two percent first after the the claim on turf. So you know, at least he can he can take a horse. And I, the one thing I did like is that if you look at this horse's races, if you look at his races at this company or at this level, that's when he seems to run best. So he had one clunker in there back in December, but. You know, this the last one was at this level, two back, and then you go back down a little bit. There's wins yeah. with an 83 and an 80, or second place and an 86. So I just feel like yeah. this is the level that maybe suits this one best. So when you get a horse that's actually doing something that they like to do against horses that they're sort of fit with, now it was 0 for 3 at the distance, 0 for 2 at Saratoga. So there's negatives, but I'm, there's pretty much negatives about about all of them. And I yeah. do think this one's the, the buyers are sort of coming back up. It's hit some decent numbers in the past and they're, and they're working their way back up. So hopefully after the claim, maybe we see another, another step forward there. But again, it's not with like, right. uh, I'm going, I think the ticket I sent you maybe went about five deep or so. It's not with like a, a whole ton of confidence with him on top. Okay. And Falcone is good off the claim. Uh, Paul, why don't you quickly talk about healing? You've got this horse second. So does Pete. I have him in third. Uh, this is a maker, Gaffleone, who Tyler seems to be coming around a little bit. He was struggling, but I think he won again today. And he he's, did. He's, a, he's an excellent jockey, obviously. Yeah, and and this is this will be kind of a defensive play for me. I mean, I don't know that I want him at five to two in this race if that line is close. But you know, obviously, uh, he he has a, a bunch of class series of uh, open allowance races. I know this is this is an open race. Uh, to Seth's point about the state bread allowances, but you know he he has back numbers that uh, would definitely win this race. But in eight out of nineteen career, uh, he was more of a defensive pick for me. I also have the seven. Pete and I are back on the same page again. This race, hey, there you go. There you go. Christine, spot, Christine, Christine knows. Christine knows. <laughs> so Pete, our breakup. We we had we had a little. Uh, we went to counseling this morning. We're back. And, uh, we're, we're back, back together, together today. <laughs> Uh, I was, as I say, I was a little off the rails last night, but I only need one of those euros to win at Del Mar, and I'll be just fine, Howard. There um, you go. But I, I thought Jack the Cat was was pretty good here. I, I agree, uh, Samuel to Joel. Uh, the, the the Falcone stats, if you narrow it all the way down to what you gave Pete, and just at Saratoga, it's a very small sample, but he's one for two. So uh, I, I think the horse fits there, but. I also, in, in the caveman ticket that Uncle Howard makes us send in, uh, <laughs> I am five deep as, uh, as well. Yeah. I just want to very quickly mention the one, and then I'll have Seth talk about his pick five. The last zip, I've got – I think this horse might be sent. I like Joe Sharp. I like Trevor McCarthy. Uh, there's not a lot of early speed in this race. It seems like this horse's best races are on the lead. There's nothing wrong with having a rail horse uh, on the lead, and I think – Trevor McCarthy's going to be very aggressive. I like the second off the layoff. There's a lot of things I like about the one. I think the last zip might get a bit overlooked in this spot. So I'm using him uh, pretty hard. Yeah, Howard. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, the one, if you look a little bit, it seems to run its best races in New York as well. If you sort of cherry pick yeah. the New York tracks, it, yeah. it's 
the better races. And then when it goes elsewhere, it sort of craps the bed. And when it, again, this is another one that's sort of getting to the company where I think it's most comfortable. And I do like what you said, the rail, I think this one's going to break and probably go to the lead because there isn't a ton of speed in here. So that's no. the one thing is there's not much speed. So I think this one could maybe de facto, hopefully get the lead just from being on the rail potentially. Well, I see a scenario exactly a year from now, almost July 31st last year, 25 claimer, one yep. uh, one at seven to one uh, going to the lead in one of his best races. So I think I think he's interesting guys possibly uh, to wire the field. Seth, we're going to very quickly talk about your pick five and I'm gonna let you go for the night. Maybe you can get back to cereals. It's not too late. <laughs> you want to do that. But yeah, uh, once, pick- I, once I go by, I'm by. There you go. Uh, your pick five is on the bottom of the screen. Let me read it off, Seth, because, again, we have a lot of people that are going to be listening to the show on their audio um, of formats later this week and obviously cannot see your uh, pick five on the bottom of the screen. Seth Marrow's pick five. He's going one, three, five. I, with... I have to jump in. I'm actually one, oh. two, five. Excuse me, one, two, five. Okay, one. Was that my mistake? Maybe I wrote it down. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't okay, know. I, I, if I wrote it, let me let me let me fix that real quick here. Seth is going the, the magic of live podcasting, and and how about that? There we go. One, Perfect. Two, one, two. I'm the graphics department. I'm the I'm the editor. I'm the producer. I'm the director. Uh, one, two, five with three, four with two, four with one, three, eight, twelve with three, five. Seven nine. I asked for a one hundred dollar less ticket. That's ninety six. Now, Seth, I don't know if you're an ABC ticket maker, ticket maker player, or what. If you're just a straight caveman kind of guy, um, you're going to be using. Obviously, there's big uh, favorites there, Jackie Warrior. But you're you using was in New York traffic equally with Jackie's Warrior. Yeah, I'm, I am a caveman guy, uh, and okay. and um, normally I have smaller tickets, and and I may on a smaller ticket. I might have singled Jackie's Warrior, but with the budget you gave me, I could go too deep. And as we discussed earlier, you beat a monster and the ticket goes berserk. And so I just felt like I was comfortable where I was in that the other legs. And that allowed me to maybe put in an alternative to upset the apple cart a little bit. So just with the budget, it, it the, this ticket kind of made sense. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if New York traffic... Now, I, 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 you said you would just uh, maybe cold... Cold punch the Jackies, New York. Are you going to reverse it at all? No, I I, I wouldn't cold punch. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, you not. I apologize because I, I okay. like if I was going to cold punch an exact, uh, I either would have went with uh, knee deep in snow. But after hearing the conversation, uh, I said either knee deep in snow or Willie Boy. After hearing us com- uh, have the conversation, I probably wouldn't land on Willie Boy over uh, or under Jackie's Warrior. If I was going to, if I was going to opt for a one punch exact. Got it. Sorry about that. Seth, no, uh, okay. as we let you go, as as we let you go, and then the three of us will discuss our pick fives once again. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Thank you for finding the show. Thank you for inviting me on your show. You'll be on this show again. I can promise. Hopefully, at some point, I'll be on your show again. I it would be uh, my honor and pleasure. For one more time, how can people uh, check you out on air? Uh, again, you can swing by uh, Equidaily.com and my picks are there throughout the meet. I do a bankroll play, a few bankroll plays uh, every day, so you can follow us there during the Saratoga meet uh, on Capital OTB TV. If you're in upstate New York, it's Spectrum Channel 1250. Uh, we're on the Roberts Channel, the RTN, uh, as a sub-channel, Capital OTB. You can pull that up and watch the morning shows and the afternoon shows. The morning shows typically are streamed on the Capital OTB Twitter channel. Uh, on uh, Facebook, 
but it's probably easiest if you go to the Capital OTV uh, YouTube channel and, and follow the uh, the live programming there. Again, we are live every racing day from Saratoga, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. We have a handicapping show, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, interviews tomorrow. Hopefully, Mike Rapoli, I was supposed to have him on today. He had something to come up. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, hopefully, between 10 and 11, Mike Rapoli will jump in. So that should be a, an interesting kickoff to the weekend. Well, we really appreciate it. And thanks again for being on the show. We look forward to uh, having you. Glenn. Good luck the rest of the meet there up at uh, Saratoga. Sus. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Thank it. You. It was fun. Uh, good luck to all of you guys as well. And Howard, uh, I'm glad you stopped by. Uh, it was nice. Got some good feedback about that. So uh, we'll okay. definitely we'll definitely plug in. And when you guys, the, the other team is up in Saratoga, give me a little heads up and we'll pull you guys over as well. I will say hello to you next week, Seth. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Seth, feel free to mention the HHH Racing Podcast on your show as many times as you want. We can use any free publicity uh, possible. Thanks again, Seth. Have a Thanks, great Seth. day. Take care. Thank you, Take, easy. Take care, man. All righty. Uh, what, a, what a great guy, guys. Uh, did, did a fantastic job. Seth, you're more than welcome to listen to our pick fives if you like, or you can just go home and do whatever, or you're already home. Do whatever you need to do as, I, as Seth is hanging out there in the background. So uh, he's a busy guy. I'm sure he's got stuff for his show that he's got to – Work out tomorrow. Maybe some great picks he's going to have. Uh, let's get on to your pick five. Paul, we're going to go to you next. Your pick five, and I'm going to read it out here, is one, two, five, eight, nine, with four, with two, five, with three, eight, ten, twelve, with one, three, five. Paul, do you want me to go to uh, you want me to go to Pete, Paul? No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Let me read that out uh, one more time. One, two, five. Sorry. One, two, five, eight, nine, with four, with two, five. With three eight ten twelve, with one three five seven nine, the famous one hundred dollar on the nose ticket. Uh, for Paul, of course, sing, this sing is my new thing, Pete. I love it. I love sing it every time. Jackie's warrior, uh, not using early voting. Very interesting. Well, you know, again, I, I think in races like that, you, you may want to make a stand. Um, you know, I I did. Uh, you could see how deep I went in the first two legs, so. Uh, I decided to go single and uh, two out of the three in that leg. I like Zandon, and um, I like Epicenter, the second best. Obviously, in an ABC format, I'm going to be using early voting, but um, I didn't want to go over my $100 allotment, so I just kept the two uh, two horses in that race. And, you know, again, you got to – if Jackie's Warrior – those two legs go to form – you really need at least two prices in the other three legs or, yeah, you, you know, you're collecting peanuts and pretzels. So uh, yeah. uh, that I just decided to go very wide at the first and last legs in this format. Uh, by the way, peanuts and pretzels. I had both at the 1863 club, which by the way is very cool. I didn't have a chance to go upstairs. I think that's for exclusive parties and whatnot, but the downstairs area of the 1863 is very cool for any of you that have a chance to uh, go in there, especially when it's 95 and humid, uh, especially that way. Uh, Pete, your pick five, you're going one, two, four, five with four, with two, with three, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. With one seven nine, an extremely affordable thirty six dollar ticket that I'm going to go on a limb and 
say that Pete, I'm going to suggest you're going to tell people to maybe hit that more than once. Yeah. And actually I, I sent you an, I sent you a, an updated ticket, but the, I... it's okay. No, cause I, I sent it a little later in the day. So I, right. I was going to see if you got it or not, but the one What's thing the I change? did, yeah, you can. Um, so in the first leg I had one, two, five, I chickened okay. out a bit. So in the second leg, I stuck with the single, the Jackie's warrior okay. third leg, two, four. Okay. So I chickened out on the single yeah. of Epicenter. And then yeah. three, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. I don't know if that's yeah. the same. I think that's yeah, the same. And yeah. then one, three, four, seven, nine in the last. Oh, okay. Leg. So this is a change. I'll read it off one more time. Yeah, sorry, sorry about how that. How much does that cost? Ninety. Okay. Let me I'm fixing that right now. Thanks for being patient, everyone. All right, there we go. One, two, five with four with two four. With three, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, with one, three, four, seven, nine, ninety dollars. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, and, and so the original one that you put up there, I had, I was gonna single epicenter. Now it's not because I thought epicenter like sort of lays over the field or anything. I think it's just tough in a race like that. Short field, you're gonna have three pretty low horses. You almost have to take a stand. But I do think that just the race flow, it's hard to leave early voting off if he if he gets the lead like I expect him to do. And then what I decided was I'll still stay pretty short in the second and third leg, go really wide in that fourth leg because I just think it's pretty wide open um, yeah. unless the 12 is just great. But I think there's enough where you can say having the 12 hole hampers him enough to where I think maybe we can get a price. And like like Paul was talking about, we're going to need some prices because whether Zandon Epicenter or early voting wins with Jackie's Warrior and potentially that horse in the first leg, who we think could be pretty short. I, th I think we're going to we could be in for a chalky day, at least at the start. So and then that last leg, uh, it's wide open to me. I don't really have a, a huge opinion. So just went five deep. I like your strategy a lot. I, I like I like Paul's ticket too. It's just people have to decide based on what to do with the middle two, you know, the second and third leg. This is really what people have to do. Uh, my ticket, and again, we've mentioned this almost every show, but for those of you that are new, all three of us play ABC tickets. These are not necessarily the tickets we would play. I've got a $90 ticket. I've got one, two, four, five, nine with two, four, with two, four, with three, 10, 12, with one three nine, it's a ninety dollar ticket. I would in no way, shape, or fashion use Willie Boy equally with Jackie's Warrior the second leg. I just want to make that very clear. But from a caveman standpoint, I'm I would not use Zandon. I just don't think the race sets up for Zandon. Um, it, it co coincidentally enough. Wait, what a uh, dig at Paul right there. What, what a nice sorry. dig right there. Paul. <laughs> what do you want? You want me to lie to the people, Paul? What do you want me to say? But hold on, Paul. But hold on. I think Zandon actually has a better chance in the Travers. How about that? Because you got you'll have charge it in there. You're just gonna have better speed, a better pace situation. Let me show you my background in my phone. That's Zandon. Okay. okay. That, that's All him. Right. That's wow. gonna be a bad melting right there. That, listen, okay. Zandon can win. I just think it's gonna be epicenter Jackie's warrior around the track. We'll 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 see. Who's right about? I, I'm it's sorry. not going to be Epicenter and Jackie's Warrior yeah. on this. Uh, track, I'm sorry, yeah. one I'm of them runs really fast or really slow. <laughs> That's how good Jackie's Warrior is. He can win the Vanderbilt, and then they're going to wheel him right back in 25 minutes. Uh, it might be sorry. that that maybe could happen. By the way, Paul would like that better because then Zander would really have a shot if we had that kind of, the kind of speed we need right. in the in that leg. All right, Pete. Now I'm now I'm a little more interested in this race, Pete. Uncle <laughs> Howard is uh, uh, bad mouthing my boy Zander. Okay. 
right. I love Zanin, just I don't like him to win some uh, Saturday. Give me a freaking break. Uh, <laughs> at the center and early voting, I'm going to use. And then I will admit that the you know uh, the tenth race, the penultimate leg, I'm going only three, ten, twelve. I mean, others can win, and others can win the last race too. So I, I'm, you know, I actually, I'll be, I'm going to be very honest in terms of a caveman ticket. I actually like Pete and Paul's tickets better. And I know you're saying, Howard, why throw your ticket out? Well, I just want to just reiterate that I think I have some creative opinions within the sequence, but I just wouldn't bet it the way that you see it below. And I'm sure that particular caveman now is going to come in for like 2,500 or something crazy. But anyway, um, ah, Christine, Christine, what? Come on, don't. Don't kiss up to Paul, Christine. Come on now. I've always thought one. Christine was you don't have to t- a stoop. <laughs> uh, Chris Mack, good. All right, good. listen. I, I hope a lot All of right. people bet Zanin because that'll give me a better price on uh, Epicenter or uh, early voting. Anyway, that's my uh, pick five ticket, guys. As we go ahead and bring back the uh, scrolling banner, Pete. Any final thoughts about Saratoga on Saturday? No, it's just great to see the it's great to see the three year olds coming back. We saw it in the Haskell last week. We see three of the best coming back this week. I think it makes for an exciting time as we head toward the Travers and the Pennsylvania Derby and whatever other derbies and then the Breeders' Cup. I love seeing the the summer of the three year olds. See if who's gonna jump up, who's gonna who's gonna sort of hold their form, who's gonna jump up maybe and take the reins of the division. I think that's all really exciting. Uh Paul, final thoughts on Saratoga Saturday. Well, you know, people don't like small fields, and, and I get it. But, you know, in that uh, Jim Dandy field, you know, there's really only one horse out of the four without a chance, out of the five, rather, without a chance. Western River really doesn't look like he has a chance. I mean, Tawny points a long shot, but, you know, running it's running well, and Brad Cox is on fire. So you, yep. could, uh, you could do worse than Tawny Port. I, I, you know, I would be very surprised but not shocked if he won. So, you know, so there's four out of five, three out of five will have an excellent chance. And the fourth one is a pretty good horse. So, you know, I, it is what it is. You know, you, you, you're not going to get 12 horse fields. If you want the 12 horse field, stick around till Delmar Saturday night and, and you'll get them. And uh, oh, yeah. you better have your thinking cap on as we talked about last night. But, you know, I think it's, this is a great race to, to have, uh, it really sets up for the Travers. I, I, the Travers has been one of my favorite races for a long, long time. I used to run Howard a, a one-day bus trip from here in Boston on Travers Day, which is totally insane looking back on it. But I did it two or three times where got a coach bus, put 40 people on it, went up to Saratoga for Travers, and turned around and came home. So, I mean, I, I've been to many Travers. I love it. I'll be there this year again. And uh, in this race – will really help uh, clarify the picture a little bit. I think especially when it comes to Zandon, uh, in all seriousness, because, you know, we know what we're getting with Epicenter and, uh, you know, early voting right now is in razor shop form. But, you know, Zandon does have a little bit to prove. I think he's going to, but uh, I, I think this race is going to tell the story. <laughs> Tom Espinosa, very good, Tom. I agree yeah, Tom with Tom. mentioned he, that a few times. There, not that yeah, I saw a couple of those. Yeah. So, we'll so. oh, he's see. entered. He's entered tomorrow, I think, in the curling. Oh, okay, so he probably will go there then instead. Uh, that'll be interesting so. to see. But the curling's a nice race too, by the way. But anyway, uh, Pete and Paul, uh, we appreciate your time. It's gonna be a, a great uh, card on Saturday, and the Del Mar card Saturday night 
is absolutely loaded with big fields. So save some of that money that you either win or lose at Saratoga for uh, Del Mar. Roll it over. <laughs> Once again, next week, and, and you guys don't know this, but I'm going to try, no promises to anyone, but I'm going to reach out to Tom Dirk, and I'd love to get Tom Durkin on next week during Whitney week. No guarantees, by the way, for anyone, but I'm going to reach out to Tom, uh, Mr. Durkin, and I call him Tom, is ridiculous, to uh, Mr. Durkin and see if we can uh, get him uh, on the show. And I do not know when our next live show will be, ladies and gentlemen, which is really why you need to go down below and not only subscribe, but hit that notification bell so that you know when our shows will be coming up as long as well as the uh, thumbs up button. And also, last thing, the podcast pool is coming back in August next week. If you're on my email list, you'll get information about the uh, podcast pool, which will have some changes starting in August. And if you want to learn more about the podcast pool, where we pool our money together with some exciting vertical and horizontal bets, please email me hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. And I'll put you on the email list for Pete Visco and Paul Haller. And this has been Howard Kravitz episode 162 of the HHH racing podcast thanks for joining us tonight good luck on saturday in the vanderbilt and the jim dandy stakes take care everyone have a great night bye-bye